This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, hey everyone, just a reminder to tell Joe's mom she looks like she lost weight because I accidentally parked on the grass again. Hey guys, mics are hot. Quiet on the set. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if life's brought you relationship and money problems and divorces in the cards, we're here to help. On today's show, we welcome two guests who can help you figure out where the money's going. Forensic accountant, a.k.a. money detective, Tracy Conan, and New Jersey-based family law attorney, Sarah Jacobs. In our headlines, we'll discuss Apple's new high-yield savings account and the unusual twist of it being linked to their credit card, the Apple Card. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven lifeline to Catherine, who wants advice on how to build and accelerate wealth building for late-career bloomers. And then I'll share some fairly petty trivia. And now, two guys who can finish each other's sentences, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Sandwiches. We'll finish the other sandwiches. I can never finish your sandwich. I can't finish Cheryl's sandwich. I can't finish anybody's sandwich. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No Way Jose podcast. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter. And happy Wednesday. We've got some great financial partying to do, so let's get on with it. Mr. OG sitting across the card table from me. Can you truly, can you finish Mrs. OG sandwiches? Do you like clean her plate? No, not anymore. In fact, we went out to dinner for my son's birthday and both of my boys ordered 10 ounce oh. medium fillets. Like, wow. Geez. Did you refinance like, your house? Meat, dad. We want meat. Double potatoes and double cream corn. It's just, And you know, it's only going to get worse the next couple of years too. Oh uh, yeah. It's yeah, horrible. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, the good news is, is that uh, if it turns out that your wife has to hide money from you, OG, to make sure the bills get paid, and that the meat gets purchased. We've got a uh, Tracy Conan, who a uh, forensic accountant here, 
and uh, Sarah Jacobs, attorney. We're talking divorce. We're talking home. We're talking communication. Even if you have a great relationship, we're going to talk about the keys to keeping that relationship great. Because as Tracy likes to explain, OG, a lot of times the big lies that happen in a family start off with a little lie and then yeah. another little lie. Next thing you know, you're committing fraud and, you know, doing some pretty bad stuff. Plus a great headline. But you know what? Even before that, OG, have you heard about this? What? Hey, dude, listen to this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Isn't that important? Mucho importante. Absolutely. Sarah Jacobs, Tracy Conan waiting for us. Headline first, though, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes uh, from the Wall Street Journal. It's written by Amani Moise. Apple's new savings account. People have been talking about this the last three, four weeks. I got six bucks in it. <laughs> Apple's new savings account's convenient. Is that a good thing? They ask. You saw, OG, a lot of people online talking about how high this interest rate is. In fact, initially... Out of the gate, this savings account is a Goldman Sachs savings account that is branded an Apple savings account. Yeah. Apple customers are getting a higher interest rate for this savings account. Goldman is giving people here better than they're giving clients of Marcus their home rate. At least that was the, the case when we recorded this. How about that? Huh. This There's got to be something attached to that, of course, right? I mean, it can't just be all sunshine and roses. Well, as far as I know, it's just a savings account with $6 in it. Amani wrote, Apple turned millions of iPhones into piggy banks with the launch of its new high-yield savings accounts. The savings account is unusual in other ways, too. It's attached to the Apple card, a credit card. Savings accounts and credit cards usually kept separate in traditional wallets. Debit and credit cards keep spending accounts at your fingertips, but it's rare to have similar access to savings on the go. The allure of putting them together is the ability to seamlessly transfer money between them 
and more easily use savings money to pay off debt. Here's the question. It seems like this is an innovation in some ways, OG, this should have happened a long time ago, right? Debit account. I mean, didn't it already with just Apple Cash? You know, Apple Cash where you, you know. But not you can- credit card. Like I've, I've got credit card, not debit. I've got credit card attached to yeah. my cash. I got a cash account attached to my credit card. Maybe there's other companies that have done that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't want my credit card company to have access to my cash. <laughs> that could end badly, I suppose. Remember when Dorothea Kelly was on here talking about that, she gave a credit agency the ability to go take 50 bucks and instead they decided it was time to pay off the bill. Yeah. And uh, exactly. that was ugly. Charlotte Galetta, financial planner with Silver Penny Financial in Atlanta, says Apple savings accounts can be a great way to manage short-term savings for things such as travel and smaller purchases. But for others, the instant access could lead to mindless spending. Quote, will you treat it like a savings account, not just an easy trigger checking account? She said, I think that's really the key to this OG. It's not about what the company did. Of course, on Monday, we talked about how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have kind of changed the game for people with low credit scores. And we advise people that you should probably get your credit in order first and prove to yourself, nobody else, but to yourself that you are ready for a mortgage and to make a house purchase. In this case, I think having your savings account, especially if you're not great with money, having your savings attached to your credit card might be, might could get a little ugly. Well, I think the the linking is if you use your Apple credit card, you get uh, reward cash back, right? That's kind of their 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 deal. You get some money back, and now you can have that money go into the savings account as opposed to the Apple Cash part of your Apple Wallet. And so now the savings account gets a a, a decent interest rate on it too. It doesn't seem like a real easy. I mean, I guess it is easy to transfer money between another bank and that savings. But I just set it up so that the Apple cash that I get from using my Apple credit card deposits into that savings account as opposed to just accumulating for nothing in the Apple cash. They bring up the point here, and this is what worked for me. For me, OG, I had to put speed bumps in the way. Like I had to make sure when I was trying to get my financial house in order that I put some speed bumps so that I was able to do a better job of managing my money and being intentional about it. I mean, one of the reasons why... I made that video about Cube money that people can find on our YouTube page. And what I like about Cube is that there's just that second where you have to open up your app at the grocery store, wherever, open up that Cube, and then you slide the card. So you have this little, you know, this little uh, shock absorber. Friction. Yeah, this friction. Delay. Sure. Yeah, this little thing that goes, is this really important? Like, I like that. In some ways, I think that this helps Apple as much as it helps me, right? I can, hey, oh, it's so easy for me to use my Apple card. I just, boop, go over here and then, boop, cash, pay it off. I'll just uh, do everything using the Apple card. Makes them some money. But then when I get in trouble, if I don't have good systems, I then end up owing Apple a lot of money. Yeah, I'm not sure why they did it. It doesn't seem like a logical next step, but I don't know. There's pro- There's obviously some strategy behind it. Sure. I can't figure out what it would be. Well, listen to, here's what I think the strategy is. Uh, This piece says, a 2019 study by researchers at the University of Giessen in Germany found that frequent use of mobile payments was highly correlated with costly credit card behaviors, such as paying late fees or only making minimum payments. The easier it is to get at your money, the more we touch that stove and the uglier it might get for us. Hmm. 
So then what's the benefit of the savings account then? I think it's a perceived benefit. Don't you think it's uh, more of a perceived benefit to the, to the end customer? Like, oh, this is super easy. Like super easy sounds great. It sounds fantastic. Uh, it, and and I, maybe personal finance, isn't personal finance kind of the only place where you want to have it not be super easy sometimes? You just, especially if you find yourself bad with money, like set it up in a way that it's not so super easy. Yeah. I, I mean, I have it just because we use the Apple card from time to time and it was accumulating cash in the Apple cash part and there's not any interest. So I might as well get some interest on it. But I'm, I, I don't know that it becomes the daily driver of my um, savings or spending personally. Chrissy Charles, 29, who works at a law firm in New York and blogs about her spending and savings habits, said she recently removed all of her debit and credit cards from Apple Pay in an effort to rein in her spending. Everywhere I go, I just tap, 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 and I lose a sense of my budget, she said. I think this is definitely a case of know yourself, isn't it? 100%. Sure. We will link to this and we'll talk about behavioral spending, which is what this piece really alludes to. In our follow-up to every show, every Monday, Wednesday show, we have a newsletter which goes into deeper dives. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's called the 201, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201, and that'll take you to that, and uh, we'll dive in even more on that tomorrow. Hey, coming up next, we have a fantastic discussion on tap for you guys. We have not done a full interview before where we dive into the horrible world of divorce. And if you're going through that situation, or even if you're in a healthy relationship, how do you keep it healthy? We're going to talk about number one, better money habits for anybody in a relationship. Number two, when things start to go bad. And number three, of course, is uh, what to expect and how that whole process works. Tracy Conan, I've always referred to Tracy as a accountant spy or an accountant detective She's been on the show a couple times talking about how she catches people who do bad things just using the power of numbers. She has a brand new book out where she dives into this composite of people uh, that she's worked with in the past and how the divorce process generally goes. And we also are very pleased that we also have Sarah Jacobs here from the firm Jacobs Burger LLC in New Jersey. She's a co-founder of a matrimonial and family law firm and Definitely somebody who, when Sarah sees people, they're usually great people having a horrible, horrible instance happen in their life. And she's very skilled at helping people through that, as you're about to hear. Tracy and Sarah coming up next. But before we get there, I think we've got some trivia, Doug. What do you got on tap today, brother? Stackers, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and since we're talking about money and divorce today, have I got some weird divorce settlement trivia for you. You know, when it comes to money, people fight about the strangest stuff. In 1998, during the divorce from wife Pamela Bach, what not often fought for thing did the star of Baywatch and German singing sensation David Hasselhoff negotiate to have all rights to? I'll be back right after I smooth out the Knight Rider poster over my bed. What? Heck yeah, Knight Rider. That dude was a man before his time. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. 
And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm president of Pam Anderson's fan club and rescue requester joe's mom's neighbor doug so want to know what david hasselhoff who sang what became an anthem for the reunification of germany looking for freedom you know what he demanded that he got to keep after parting ways with his then wife he wanted to keep all rights to his nickname the hoff as well as his catchphrase don't hassle the hoff I love it. I stand behind you, Hoff. I have all rights to don't duck the Doug, as well as Dougster, Dougadontist, and best one of all, Dougonator. Duh. And now, let's say hello to two women who are going to help you become Sherlock Holmes of your money, Tracy Conan and Sarah Jacobs. And I'm super happy to have these two women joining us. Tracy Conan and Sarah Jacobs are here. How are you two? 
Fantastic. (laughs) I ask you both and you give it back to me. Ta-da. That's great. In stereo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start this off with a story because Tracy, in your new book, you have this hypothetical couple who is kind of a composite of a lot of the families and people that you've helped in the past. Tell us the story of Jackie discovering what's really going on in her family. Right. I've been doing forensic accounting for over 25 years. I've worked with all sorts of people going through the process of divorce to help them find the money. And I brought together all of these things that I've seen to create the story of Jackie, who left her corporate job in marketing 10 years ago to become a stay-at-home mom. Unbeknownst to her, her husband, Derek, was having an affair. And so this affair went on for a few years. He finally decided to end the marriage. She was, of course, shocked to find out that there was an affair. She accidentally finds a credit card statement for a credit card she didn't know he had and wonders what else has been going on with the money for all of these years. She had taken a hands-off approach to the money while she was at home raising their three kids, and now she is in a panic as to whether she's going to have financial security, whether she's going to figure out what he's done with the money, whether there's some money that's hidden somewhere that belongs to her. Yeah, Derek, her husband, handled all of the finances. She took care of the family obligations. He took care of the of the money situation. Right. Early on in their marriage, she was somewhat involved with the finances. He had primary responsibility. She would pay some bills here and there and kind of just keep an eye on the money and felt comfortable doing that. But as they got busier with the kids, she went hands off and she trusted him like so many couples in America. This is super common. My question, Tracy, is during this period of time, did she get an allowance? Did she have a specific amount of money that was given to her by Derek to pay certain bills? Or did she really not have any idea just charged to a card that he paid and that she never saw the statement for? She had the ability to charge on credit cards, to use the debit card, to get money out of the bank account when she needed it. But she really did not have any responsibilities for bill paying. And her needs were always met, so she was never suspicious. They did a little bit of belt tightening when they decided she was going to be a stay-at-home mom, but everything otherwise seemed normal. And he really didn't restrict her. So there was there was no warning sign there. Got it. Sarah, my first question for you is this. That's Tracy's composite client. How does how does that sound to you? Does that sound like your firm's composite client as well? I think that our firm has shades of that composite client, which was hence my question about whether yeah. she got an allowance or not, because I see a lot of clients in a way that Tracy is describing where there's some inherent trust that is there and to the point of my needs are met and I don't really need to look any further I kind of feel comfortable and therefore I can live in this world. There's a lot of composite clients that we also get, though, that are, well, he gave me $500 a week to spend on my hair and nails or $500 a week to spend on the kids. And then I could charge the card, but I had to ask if the charge was above X. And that starts bordering on, is that this just because someone's really has a lot of financial acumen and they're watching their bills correctly, or is this a level of control and financial abuse and where does the line draw and how do we find that out? Boy, Sarah, you sent me a stat before the interview, which was from a report from the National Financial Educators Council. Listen to this, everybody. 38% of individuals surveyed said their lack of financial literacy cost them at least $500 in 2022, including 15% who said it set them back by $10,000 or more. 
you wrote that for those going through divorce, financial literacy is non-negotiable. Sarah, I just think as I read this stat and I hear Tracy's story that that in any relationship, whether it's a good relationship or bad relationship, delegating financial responsibility is one thing, but not knowing the financial controls is a maybe a bridge too far. I think that's really the issue is a lot of these people when they go and I heard Tracy's explanation of what the fictional client was doing early in their marriage where she was paying a couple of bills and she understood a little bit that was going on. And I think a lot of people walk into the marriage saying we are financially literate. We understand how to balance a checkbook, what expenses look like, what budgeting looks like. And over time, the question of being financially literate versus delegating financial responsibility and abdicating the knowledge of looking at those financial controls are two very different things. Financial literacy can be a base of everything, but it's how you manage the controls of that literacy during the course of the relationship that can really be the underpinnings or the downfall per se of what the couple does and and the way that they act. I've got one more question for you, Sarah, before I go to Tracy for a little bit here to dive into really that forensic period about becoming a detective. One of the first things that Tracy thinks is, well, I've got to get a lawyer, right? When I've had friends that go through are going through a divorce and they're presented, you know, by their soon to be ex that, uh, hey, I'm I'm thinking about leaving this relationship. First thing they think is I need a lawyer. Is that the first place to start is calling a lawyer? I, I don't necessarily know that it's the first place. I think it's one of the first places to start. I think really the first place to start is get your crap together, find your documents, find all the information, start doing your homework, regain some of the control that you may have lost during this period of time, get organized. Because any good forensic accountant, as Tracy knows, any good lawyer, as I know, any good therapist, as a therapist knows, you need the information. If you don't have the information, we can lead a horse to water, but the the horse can't drink because there's nothing there to drink. You need the substantiation in order to figure out how to start unpacking all of the issues on the table and to make educated, informed decisions about those issues. Yeah, Tracy, I've known you long enough to know that you believe that it starts well before this moment as well, that you really got to get your stuff together. Jackie finds a credit card of Derek's in the closet, which tells a story she doesn't even know. Where does she really need to start? Where should she have started? She started where everyone starts, which is an accidental discovery. Right. And so she started in the right place there and she did something that was really wise, which was she took pictures of the documents that she found and then tucked them back in where she found them and said not a word because she had an inkling that she was going to have to do a little more investigating and she didn't want to tip Derek off. She went next to an attorney. She went and did interviews with attorneys. She started gathering documentation. Sarah is singing my song. I always tell people that one of the first things they want to do when they're considering divorce is start gathering all the information that you have legal access to and put it in a safe place because you never know when you're going to lose your access. You never mm-hmm. know when documents are going to disappear. And even though through the divorce process, You will have legal moves you can make to get the documents. It's so much easier if you just have access to them now to take them and put them in a safe place. So much easier. This started off on Derek's end. You point out, Tracy, not as fraud. It became fraud. 
but it didn't start off there. It started off with some little lies. Can you kind of walk through what was going on in Derek's head as this snowball got bigger and bigger? Right. We talk about this fraud snowball that it starts small and it gathers steam until it becomes, in this case, an avalanche. When Jackie quit her job to stay home with the kids, they did some belt tightening, as I mentioned before. So they decided to cut out some extras, some fancy meals out. Uh, Maybe they weren't going to upgrade their phones as often. They were maybe not going to get a new car as often. And just some of the extras like uh, streaming services and things like that. They realized that by cutting a little bit here and there, they could really save some money to make up for what Jackie wasn't bringing in. But Derek cheated on her in the financial regard, and he still treated himself to a new phone and to some online games that were costing money and things like that, and didn't mention it to Jackie. He thought she won't care about 20 bucks here or there. Well, those introductory lies made it easier for him to start telling bigger lies over time. Sarah, I got to think for, you know, the people that have relationships that they think are healthy right now, there are some things we can do to help those people to make sure that hopefully they never, they never have to call you, right? How do we stop these little lies from becoming big lies? And I think, is it, is it one bank account for everybody? Is it consistently checking your credit report? Like how do we kind of nip this early so that Derek's little lies to Jackie don't become where we're at today? I think that you just asked me a a question where you handed me a little bit of a shovel and you said, can you please dig me the Grand Canyon? Because that is such a (laughs) that is such a multi-layered question. And I think the first thing that you said is, is it right for a bank account for everybody? Definitely not. In full disclosure, my husband and I don't have a joint bank account. We've been married for 17 years. We've been together for 22 and a half and we don't have a joint bank account. Why? Because I don't want, but not not because he refuses, but we have conversation. And I think that's where you need to start. And prior to you getting married, or if you've already been married, start having a conversation. What is money to you? How do you value money? How do you spend money? How do you want to save money? Let's actually have a conversation about what your values are concerning money. Because honestly, things happen. Obviously, Derek and Jackie made a decision about belt tightening and maybe Derek wasn't as comfortable with that decision as he wanted to be in that kind of spiral as as um, Tracy said, into this avalanche that occurred. But they didn't have a conversation. Derek didn't come to her and say, listen, I know we agreed on this belt tightening situation. Here's where I think that there's a little bit of expansion that I could do and you could do. He just unilaterally did it. And the lack of a conversation created this little fissure or this little cavern, and it grew, in, as as Tracy said, you know, into this snowball and this avalanche down this time. So many people don't get married having conversations. They get married having conversations independently in their head, and then they act on those independent conversations during the course of the relationship, and then they never really have a conversation about the other person's actions. And so it's all this like marching in tandem instead of walking the path together that creates an issue. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Sarah, uh, that uh, Cheryl and I, my spouse and I, we have a weekly scheduled just 20-minute discussion. It's always over wine or pancakes, depending on what time of day it is. It's meant to be fun. It's not meant to be long. It's not, you know, I see some of these couples that have what is like the Camp David Summit and, you know, (laughs) one person thinks it's awesome, the money geek, the other person's poking their eye out because they hate it and it feels like an interrogation and to have it consistently once a week and to have it scheduled because we're busy people makes it so much easier to just keep that door open. I love that this, you say this starts with a conversation. 
Tracy, let's talk about thieves. You've got these thieves in your book. You talk about some of them are shame. Obviously, people feeling a lot of shame. You can imagine Jackie thinking, how come I didn't know? Why am I so stupid, right? I mean, Why this, was I so hands-off? Yeah, this negative self-talk we give ourselves, which is absolutely just piling on. You say chief among them during this process, though, is overwhelm. Explain to me that. The divorce process is completely overwhelming. There are so many moving parts. It is so expensive. You get, you know, you've got to work with your attorney. You've got to gather all sorts of documentation. There's financial issues, children issues, home issues. What's the new schedule? What are the logistics? Who's going to live in the house? Who's moving out? There is just so much going on. And it's inherently overwhelming. And so, you know, my focus being the money, I'm trying to figure out how can we ease that burden on the money side and make it less overwhelming, make it a make it a simpler process to go through. Jackie's freaking out because she's been stay-at-home mom, taking care of a lot of very important responsibilities that have paid the family zero. Now she needs to get a job. You say that obviously this whole thing needed to start earlier. A, a question that came up in my mind as I was reading through this story, Tracy, is are you implying that Jackie should have had some income coming in all the time? Because now she's all of a sudden worried about her skill set, about catching up with, quote, the world and making sure that her resume is in place. Should she have kept that dusted off and maybe had a side hustle, as we call it? I do not should on anyone. However, when I get asked, what is the best way to protect yourself financially when you're married? One of them is having an income source of your own, because that way, if you do ever end up splitting, you know what that income source is, how much you can count on at the very least. So the answer to your question is, yes, it's advisable to have an income source of her own, but I never say someone should because for their family, that might not have even been possible. They had three small kids. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm, you can't expect that everyone's going to do that. Sarah, let's talk about this from a legal perspective. If one person brings in all the money, you're representing the other person. How difficult is it to, to create then an income stream for your client? I think it really depends upon a series of facts, right? How long has the person been out of the workforce? What was the amount of time that they were working prior to that? How much income did they earn prior to the time that they became a stay-at-home parent? What skills do they have currently in today's job market that are translatable immediately versus a period of time where they have to sort of build themselves back up from from not a, just a financial literacy, but a work literacy perspective? What childcare responsibilities still exist and restrict them from having certain kind of employment moving forward? Something Tracy said makes so much sense. I agree with her. You're speaking my language now. We don't should anybody, but the advisability of a side hustle or some form of income, what immediately came to my mind is independent credit. Keep that independent credit. Have a credit card just in your name where you're not the authorized user. You're actually the card holder. Pay it responsibly keep some level of independent means because when you move out of the home, if that's what's happening to you and you need to buy a new one or rent a new apartment, your credit score has been belonged to your spouse for all these years. You need another year, two years, three years to build that back up, especially in today's market with the level of inflation and not the lack of giving by anybody. You're out of luck. Like You need time and time is not on your side when you're getting a divorce because 
despite how long it takes, the end result is there faster than what you've ever planned for. And there's a whole lot of decisions that you need to make during that time period. And if you're not making them strategically and smartly throughout the process, you come to the end and you throw your hands up. You're like, now what? Even if you're taken care of, you have alimony child support. Doesn't mean that you can logistically get a mortgage, logistically lease a car. All these things are practical in nature. They're not just conceptual in like the legal framework. Well, and I'm thinking internally too, the overwhelm becomes just even that much more unbearable, Sarah. Absolutely. When Tracy said the word overwhelm, I was like, oh my God. So our mantra here at Jacobsberger is to de-stress the divorce process and to do that by actually working on clients' goals and working through the practical process of the divorce because we are lawyers. We have ESQs after our name. We went to law school. We understand the law. But our clients are people and their their families have realities. And there are situations in which you don't have excess, excess funds. Credit isn't available. There are things that you cannot do. So legally, you could have the moon, the sun, and the stars and practically doesn't align with legal aid. So we take a step back and start from scratch and say, okay, even if these are your goals and your dreams, are they achievable from a boots on the ground perspective? And if not, how do we start building that? How do we get you credit during the process? How do we start looking for friends and family that can help? How do we make decisions about potentially keeping the house or selling the house because that's going to lead you to a better financial outcome three years from now? when you'll be able to support yourself and stand on your feet, because that's not going to happen today. I'm glad you explained where you start from, because I'm sure all attorneys aren't the same. In fact, in Tracy's book, Jackie goes and she interviews three different attorneys. What are some of the key questions that you don't get asked enough, Sarah, when people are evaluating if you're the right fit for them? One of the key questions that we definitely don't get asked is how you evaluate as a lawyer. How do you evaluate what's good for me? They ask all about our expertise. They ask about the number of cases that we've tried. And look, experience is critical, but we're a partnership. You're interviewing me because you want to trust that I know not only what I'm doing in a courtroom, but that I also know what I'm doing for you. And if you're not asking me questions about how I evaluate your matter, how I help you achieve your goals, how I make sure that I'm leading you to good, stable, financial and emotional outcomes for your family, we're not going to be a fit for each other because you're not in a place where you can accept the kind of advice that I am going to give because that's what's best for you. You're looking for someone to tell you what to do, and that doesn't make a good attorney-client partnership. Tracy, people like Sarah need a bunch of information from their client ahead of time. I know part of what you do is help people find money they didn't know they had. Jackie found in the bottom of this drawer a credit card statement she didn't know that she had. What are some of the things that you go hunting for with people when you're beginning your relationship with maybe somebody who might be working with Sarah later? What we like to do is start putting together a list of accounts that you know about. Banks, credit cards, investments, loans, mortgages, all those kinds of things. Any bank that you may have done business with goes on that list, even if you don't know a specific account number, you don't know whose name an account might have been in. Any clues that you have, we put them on the account list. From that account list, then it is starting to gather those statements, which sounds like an overwhelming piece of the process for some people because where do I begin to get statements? And so we walk through, how do you go through online banking? How do you get those statements? Those are really critical pieces along with the tax returns, which by the way, 
in a number of marriages, you have one spouse who holds those tax returns hostage. And so I teach people how to go directly to the IRS and in 10 minutes or less, get their taxes right away. They don't have to wait for them. Those are sort of the key building blocks to finding your money and gathering those documents will really help because they can give those to their attorney and you know be on that path towards meeting some of the obligations that they'll have for documentation in the divorce. You've also found clues to hidden money in those tax returns. We find it in tax returns. We find it in the bank statements. In the vast majority of cases, it's not a complicated scenario that we see. What we typically have is one spouse has had control over the finances, knows that the other spouse isn't looking at the statements, and so they're not really actively hiding things. They might have that account that's in their name only, but they do something as simple as make a transfer from the joint checking account to that secret account. Once that transfer shows up on the bank statements, we have the ability to uncover it. So it doesn't take rocket science to actually find that hidden money in the statements and the tax returns. The one thing that people talk about is divorce is expensive in so many different ways. I mean, it, it tears families apart. It, uh, it tears relationships apart. I know that, you know, friends decide which friend they're going to stay with. But, but let's, let's just talk about the fee section of this because a lot of people are just unaware of what, what this costs. Sarah, is somebody coming into a firm like yours, what would they expect to pay an attorney? I'm about to give you a very attorney answer to that question. So I caveat <laughs> my my next comment with it depends. And yeah. the reason that I say it depends is, do they have someone like Tracy in their life? Do they have another source, whether it's a full forensic accounting firm or just a friend who's helping them organize and go through the documentation and put the information together? Or is that something that our firm is going to have to do from scratch? Is this a contentious divorce? Or is it just a complicated divorce because it's unexpected, there are questions that are unanswered, and we need a bunch of education? Divorces range in cost. They can be anywhere from ten dollars to $15,000, and I've seen divorces that are three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, and I know of people who have spent more than that. It's about the issues involved. It's about the cooperation of clients with their attorneys. It's about the cooperation of clients with each other. And I, I, everybody laughs, ha ha, you're getting a divorce cooperation. At some point there, and I'm sure Tracy has seen this too, there's a break point where everybody's like, okay, we're hemorrhaging money. This is you know, money that we could spend on college education for our children or to buy new houses or to get the cars that we need. Sure. I think the thing that people forget about is that there are hidden costs that aren't just fees. You have tax implications of splitting up a family and the way that you claim dependents and the way that you address child education credits and tax credits. There's issues about insurance. You're no longer on an umbrella policy covering your house and your cars and your things like that. You're two separate households. There's two separate costs. You may have to liquidate an insurance policy that you had and all the cash surrender value that you built up liquidated, gone. There are tax implications of dividing stock accounts and retirement accounts because now you're splitting up funds and it's been in either one person's name or two people's name and they have different tax brackets and different tax implications. Deferred compensation, come to one party, their income's different than the other party, their tax implications for that. So when you start breaking down what the costs actually look like for a client, their eyes, you know, saucers, as Tracy said, now you're really talking overwhelmed. Now you're at a level of uh, another layer where they're like, oh boy, <laughs> this is the, too much. The, the most frustrating divorce that I went through as a financial advisor was 
a couple that they had children together. They had a whole life together. They had so many things to fight about. They fought about who was going to live in the house because they were both attached to this beautiful house they lived in. And I thought for the amount of money that they paid in all these different fees, they could have gone and bought an exact replica of, of, of the house. Probably true. It was so, so frustrating. Tracy, how about you? Somebody brings a forensic accountant on board. What should they expect fee-wise? It's typical to pay at least ten dollars to $15,000 for something. And in some cases, it's much more. The more complicated the situation, the more money involved, it's going to be more than that. I typically talk about ten dollars to $15,000 as a starting point. But I've got to tell you, in probably 95% of divorces, first of all, they can't afford that fee level. But second of all, they don't need me. Honestly, this is something that if someone was willing to get their bank statements and go through them line by line, and if I told them what to look for, they could really identify it on their own because they know their family's habits. They uh-huh. can identify that charge for $200 at that Target store is an hour away from us. They're going to know there's something odd there. They know a hotel across town isn't an appropriate expense for their family. They're going to know when they see a transfer to a bank they are not aware of doing business with that that's something they need to question and is potentially some hiding of money. So most people are actually capable of doing this on their own without any special numbers expertise. Ladies, thank you so much for helping our stackers really start to put what might be a bad situation as they listen to this together and hopefully to help them find good help. Let's talk about where they can find both of you. Uh, Sarah, they can find you at jacobsberger.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, (laughs) everywhere. Awesome. And you know what? We'll link to all those on our show notes page at Stacky Benjamins. Tracy, we've got three things for you. First of all, your book, Find Me the Money, Take Control, Uncover the Truth, and Win the Money You Deserve in Your Divorce. This is, uh, I'm assuming, available everywhere? It's available everywhere. Go to Amazon, get it in Kindle format, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover. I love how you took this story of this couple and really made it universal. I was reading it and much like some of my favorite business books, there's so many universal truths here and I think can help a lot of people. Also, we should point out that you also have a summit coming up for people listening to this today. You have a summit tomorrow that I'll be a part of. The summit is called Win Your Divorce, and it is a virtual event with 38 speakers on everything under the sun about divorce. It's free to attend and just wanting to give people an opportunity to learn more about the divorce process, be more prepared for it, and feel more confident as they go through divorce. And if people go to stackybedjamins.com slash divorce summit. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash divorce summit. We'll leave people there or just go to the show notes page. We'll have Sarah's links. We'll have Tracy's links. We'll have it all. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tracy, great talking to you again. Always a pleasure, Joe. This is Aaron from Colorado Springs. And when I'm not teaching three boys how to patch hockey stick holes in drywall, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Tracy and Sarah. Oh, gee, this idea that it all starts with just a little, well, she doesn't need to know that, or he doesn't need to know that. And then you realize that there's a blind spot there and they're not paying attention can lead to more and lead to more, which is why, you know, Sarah said that she doesn't use one checkbook. I don't use one checkbook. Cheryl and I have have separate, we actually have a a three checkbook system, which I wouldn't advise anybody to do, but it works for us. 
But uh, certainly finding ways to communicate more often, like Sarah and Tracy said about your money is the key to the whole thing. That is 100% the thing, right? I mean, what's the phrase from when we're, you know, two heads are better than one? I mean, as you're dealing with stuff or you're thinking about the future, how do you not want to include your partner in that? And just, if nothing else, to get their perspective, you know? Well, what if we did this a little differently? Oh, I didn't realize that we were spending, you know, this much on that. Or I didn't, uh, you know, you've told the story a million times of, you know, the time where you almost played the same bill twice, you know, and try to try to do that with a healthcare bill. You know, they're not going to send you your money back. You know, it's a hard enough keeping track of who you owe what to after you go to the doctor. So just having that open line of communication will make things much more efficient. I've listened to Esther Perel. I'm sure you have too, on multiple, multiple podcasts. She talks a lot about intimacy, OG, and how, you know, we change as people as we go. And because of that, having one relationship for our whole life, I think is a lot harder. She says is a lot more difficult than we give it credit for staying with the same partner. And certainly when you're in these fictional people's case that she brought up in this, Jackie and Derek, they're ferrying around three kids doing all this stuff. It's easy to lose track of each other. And and having that 20 minute money meeting together, I think even though I don't think the words intimacy and, and managing the checkbook often go hand in hand, I think it is a way to keep the heartbeat, right? To talk about what are we doing as a family unit? Like, why are we a pair? What are we doing together? It's a great start. And as I mentioned after the headline, we'll, of course, have even more curated links to all that's involved in this topic. And of course, Tracy's not only book, but the Divorce Summit that I'll be a part of uh, tomorrow. It's happening today and tomorrow. And then also a link to Sarah's law firm if you're in the unfortunate case where you're listening to this because you really need help right now. Obviously, that's why we're here, but hopefully that's not the case. Hey, Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline. Tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Pool time, baby. 90 oh, and sunny. it is pool time at your it's house. It's pool 30. It's pool 30. So I'm out. When did you? I'm out. You take this one on your own. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to get the swimsuit on. I'm already did wearing you, it. Did you do the pool year round? Did you keep the pool open all year round? Yeah, it's open year round. Yeah. Yeah. So you go out in the hot tub in January? Uh, half. Yeah, half. We had a uh, pretty nasty storm that kind of ruined some pool equipment. So we had to deal with that. But, um, but yeah, we don't really close the pool like you do up north. It's just hot tub for sure. During Christmas, we heat it like we have a little pool party, Christmas pool party, spring break. Nice week. Yeah. I just wonder, cause you know, uh, here in North Texas, it gets kind of cold sometimes. Kind of a little, oh yeah. A little super chilly. But if that hot tub's open, well, it's not open when you're here, but oh, of course. That's why I've never. That's why I asked the question in the first place. I'm like, hey, is that uh, that pool open? Uh, it actually says your loved ones in your time, but what's better than your loved ones in your time in the hot tub? That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com/slash/havenlife now for a free quote. Love what they're doing at Haven Life because they're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance. The application is simple. It's online. You get instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. You know what? You know you need life insurance. Get it done today. StackyBenjamins.com slash Haven Life. I know I was talking to Matt over there and OG. They also have type of policy now that they offer for people that uh, really would prefer not to do physical. 
So I know there's a market of people that need that type of life insurance. If you're that type of person, you can also find that by using our link, stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Today, we're going to throw the lifeline out to Catherine. How you doing, Catherine? Hey, Joe and OG. I've been an avid listener of the Stacking Benjamins podcast for a little over a year, and I love you guys. And I have a question. What advice or strategies can you offer late bloomers, meaning people who don't find like that perfect fit in a company, don't find the ability to really start building wealth until their their early 40s? Using myself as an example, it's only within the past couple of years and I'm in my early 40s that I really found myself in a gig that I consider to be a long-term gig. I'm happy at my company. I have a lot of prosperity that I'm finally building, uh, some real estate investments, some stocks, but I'm at the very beginning of this kind of process. So what advice or strategy can you provide for someone like me to help us implement an accelerated strategy for building wealth? Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to listening to you in later podcasts. Catherine's thanks so much for hanging out. We love you too. And you know what? For being brave OG, she's going to get some Stacky Benjamin swag so she can proudly tell her friends as well that uh, she hangs out with us in mom's basement. But um, I got to say this too, Catherine, you're not the only late bloomer. OG is a late bloomer. His voice uh, still cracks regularly. He's just uh, going through a change. And we sat him down the other day and said that, you know, sometimes when you get to be a certain age, just things, things start moving a little bit. So had to explain that to him. Oh, gee, what do you think? Somebody with a late start. Catherine is not alone. Say, at least I'm still blooming and not withering. <laughs> That's easy. Whoa. Hey, I'm not pointing any fingers, but, but I think that the number one thing that you have to recognize is that there's so much time remaining for compounding that you don't have to be worried about it. Too many people get wrapped up about this, like, oh my gosh, I'm 40, oh my gosh, I'm 50, and I haven't done anything, uh, therefore I'm going to throw in the towel, there's no hope for me, I can never be saved. And it's like, well, no, you still have 20 years or 30 years. Should you have started when you were 22? Yeah, it would have been a lot easier, absolutely. But you can't do that, you can't go back in time. Do, you know, if you, stop, if you start saving for your first dollar when you're 40, are you going to retire at 45? Yeah, probably not. That's probably not in the cards for you now. But but you had a different life from 22 to 45, 40. You know what I mean? Like you had had a different experience than somebody who was, you know, hell bent on saving every penny the whole time, you know? So I don't think that you can discount your history and you don't want to say, well, you know, I would have done it differently because you made the best decision with the information that you had at the time. Nobody purposefully goes through life going, I can't wait to screw up my finances. This is going to be awesome. Watch this. You know, it's just, you, you do what you can. And so now you're in a position where you've got the ability to save and, and move forward. Uh, so do that. You know, I think from a long-term perspective, the first thing that you want to recognize is you're okay. You've got enough time and enough, enough days in front of you to do it. That being said, you also need to do some math on the reality of it, right? If you're saving a hundred dollars a month, and your plan calls for saving 200, I would much rather know that number today. I would much rather get as close as I can to that now by knowing what it is that I need to do to reach my goals 
versus just going, well, I should probably start and I'm just going to start saving some money and see what happens. All progress comes from telling the truth, right? So it is what it is. Here's where we are. And when you are armed with that information, you can make really good decisions. You know, if your financial plan says, in order for me to retire at 60, I need to save $1,000 a month. And all you have right now is 500 a month. Should you just go, well, screw it. I can't do it. Oh, well. No, I think it's important to know that $1,000 number is out there. I think it's also important to say, if 60 is not realistic, how does 500 get me? Where does it get me? Because the power of compounding would mean that 500 probably gets you to 63, you know? And guess what? 63 is early retirement. It's still early. Yeah. So you have plenty of time, but get after it. I think the only thing, OG, I have to add is avoid... And this is something that people start to do, avoid the panic that people get of starting late, because what the panic does is makes you do stupid things with your money. You will buy yeah. asset classes where it's more like gambling. You'll do high risk yes. strategies. Yes. Oh, I'm so far behind. The only way, I, the only solution I have is Bitcoin. No, not true. Just give yourself just a little bit of grace and realize that a lot of people have done this before you have. I do have a resource for her OG, friends of ours, uh, Becky Heptig, who's been on the show. And Becky and her husband started just after age 50 and were mm. retired by 60. Now, she will be the first to admit, Becky will tell you a lot of good stuff OG happened in their life. Like a lot of stuff went the right way. The market was going up at the time. Her husband, Stephen, had got this huge bump up in pay. They, they did a bunch of stuff, but... Still, to do what she did in 10 years, you know, there's being given that gift, OG, and then there's actually doing something about it. A lot of people get the yeah. gift. You still got to work. Becky and Steven definitely worked. And Bill Yount, who also started late, he's in, uh, I believe, an emergency room physician. Bill hasn't been on the show yet. We got a Bill on soon. But they have a newish podcast that I've been catching up with called Catching Up to Fi. Two really good people, and they cater specifically to people who are behind on their show. So I give people that link as well. Cause I think, Oh gee, that surround sound, the other people are there with you. I think that's really important too. You're not the only one fighting that battle. Correct. And I'll give you an example of this. Warren Buffett is one of the top two, three, four, five richest people in the world, right? I, I don't know his net worth presently, but it's some hundred ish billion plus or minus a few tens of billions in either direction. Right. I mean, it's some huge number. What was Warren Buffett's net worth on his 50th birthday? Oh, we've been over this before and I can't remember, but it's a micro fraction of what it is today. It's a fra I mean, it was $65 million roughly, which is a lot of money. A hundred, you know, it's like, oh, I could hope to have 65 million, but no, no, I'm talking about the power of compounding. Take all the zeros off of there and just say, well, my net worth at 50 is 65 bucks. <laughs> you know, you know, like, well, there's still hope for you, right? You're not going to get to a, you know, a hundred billion, but but the power of compounding is super impactful and take the most logical next step. Don't beat yourself up over the decisions you've made in the past. They are what they are, but it can be done. Thanks for the question, Catherine. And I know you're going to do great. The fact that you're focused on this and you're, you're plugged in, I think it's a great place to start. If you are brave like Catherine, we can send you some swag. We can also answer your question, stackybedjamins.com slash voicemail is the way to ask a question. And uh, we would be happy to answer your question as well to the best of our ability. 
Hey, let's talk about the community calendar, OG, before we say goodbye. Of course, today and tomorrow, I am at Tracy Conan's Divorce Summit, which is an online summit. Here's the way to get there. StackyBenjamins.com slash Divorce Summit will take you there. I believe in this uh, Tracy and the Summit enough that just as full disclosure, we decided to be an affiliate of it for people that want this. I'm excited to give people this type of help, and I know that it's good help, so I feel like us being an affiliate is a way of endorsing it and going, you know what, we can get behind uh, helping out what Tracy's doing. I will be live, though, tomorrow, along with our good friend Jill Schlesinger from CBS News and Jill on Money, and Jennifer Hemphill, of course, from Her Dinero Matters. Fantastic coach for lots of families, especially families that are military families like Jen is. Jen and I spoke at a conference at Harvard once together. There's a flex right there. Oh, nice flex. Jen is amazing. So if you want to join us, stackingbenjamins.com slash divorce summit. And by the way, our part is going to be at 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. If if you'd like to tune in live, um, if you're worried about uh, a potential divorce or you're in the middle of one. All right. That's the community calendar for today. You know what? If you're not that worried about community, you're worried about the fact that the Fed raised interest rates again last week, OG. They raised them again. And you're like, what does this mean for the economy? What does this mean? I should probably go sell everything. We don't want you to do that. Instead, what we'd like you to do is this. OG and his team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. The guide will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide and get this helpful free guide from OG. That is it. So much good stuff today. But uh, uh, Doug, what do you think your top three would be? So what should we have learned today? First, learn something from Tracy Conan's detective skills and pay attention to your money. You need to know where your Benjamins are flowing, even if you're happy in your relationship. Second, watch out for the fine print with Apple's new savings account. If you need to make withdrawals quickly, their seven-day notice for withdrawal may make you think twice. But the big lesson... When you're at a stoplight next to a Dodge Hellcat yelling, Kit, give me all you got! doesn't really make an El Camino go any faster. Thanks to Tracy Conan for joining us today. You'll find her book, Find Me the Money, wherever books are sold. Thanks also to Sarah Jacobs for lending a hand to today's discussion. You'll find Sarah at matrimonial and family law firm Jacobs Berger, LLC. We'll have a link to both Tracy's book and Sarah's law firm in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihat. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. 
Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. So we are in the final episodes of Succession. Have you watched any Succession? No, but I increasingly see clips from it and find it uh, interesting. And of course, when uh, both, uh, both, you know, with all the Dominion voting system stuff going on, like just people going back and forth about how close is this to the real Murdoch family (laughs) and how much is it not like keeps keeps uh, going back and forth. You would appreciate the writing. We were talking the other day about, you know, having an action show that has like drama and character and all that sort of stuff behind it. This is kind of the same thing. I mean, it's not an action show, but it's but sure. it's got all of the intellectual stimulation that you need. I mean, it's just it's just boom, 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 boom. Like nonstop, you have to pay attention. The two episodes I've seen of Billions, I've absolutely ah, loved. I just re- I, I just refuse to get another yet another. Speaking of billions, login. allegedly, Bobby's coming back. Going to be another one. Well, no, I mean they've done six seasons, and I think yeah, I two or seven. And a few, the last couple, he wasn't in the show because he yeah. had to sell his firm. But now, I mean, him and Paul Giamatti, like those are some powerhouse that's, people. That's um, where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, both of those two shows are really good. I've seen some clips of a show called Suits. Yeah, I started watching that from the beginning. Uh, I don't know, on Netflix or something, I, I, I grabbed it, it good and or started not good? watching it. The clips I've seen look really good. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely dated. There's some, it's, it's funny watching stuff. I think maybe you were talking about this with Seinfeld, a Seinfeld commentary piece about how there's no way he could make Seinfeld now based on... Right. Just kind of where we are from our even, society. Even Tina Fey making 30 Rock. Like this is Tina yeah. Fey. And some of yeah. the jokes that she does on 30 Rock, I've watched on planes and I'm like, dude, you can't do that now. <laughs> no. You're like, no, 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 no. Don't no, say no, no. that. Oh, oh, and it's out. Oh, bye. So you can tell it's a little dated because there's some of that stuff there. But, um, you know, the premise is fine. It's it's basically, uh, you know, some world-class genius who has passed the bar a million times, but not for himself because he just cheats for other people. 
because he knows the answers and he had he had like a side project to doing it. The intro episode, uh, he is getting chased down by the cops. He winds his way into this uh, interview room for Harvard law graduates as he's trying to escape the cops and, you know, basically impresses the partner with his law knowledge and goes, yeah, you know, and and that guy's in on it. He knows that he's not really a Harvard graduate and this law firm only hires Harvard people. So they have to keep on creating all this backstory of cover for other people to find like, what class were you in? How come I didn't see you? You weren't you in the class above me? Maybe this isn't the same show. I keep seeing this guy who's got really, he's got a weird face and kind of really big teeth. And he's talking uh-huh. to an assistant who's constantly kind of giving him the finger. You know what I mean? Going, whatever, yeah, no, dude, I'm not doing whatever you say. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird yeah, the, looking. The dude. young kid is the genius. The partner uh, is the older of the two. Yes. I watched a couple seasons of her, maybe two seasons, three seasons. I was hoping it was going to be like a Boston legal. Yeah. I, I no. just, you know, like with... Um, um, Even funnier. Yeah. James. With, is it J- James... James Spader. Spader. James Spader. James Spader. Spade? And, uh, Spader. Spader. And, uh, and uh, Captain and, Kirk. Uh, Captain Kirk. <laughs> yes. Um, and the Priceline guy. Um, <laughs> and and so I was hoping it would be like that, and it's not as deep. Like the writing, James Spader is really a really good actor. He's so good. And He's so good in the blacklist until the writing got so bad that even he couldn't save it. You're like, uh, right. It's still on. Blacklist is still on. I just turned it on on? the other day. Yeah, I turned it on the other day. This is, I think this is the final season. Wow. This is the final season. How many years is that? 80? Is that 80 years it's been on? Something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Man. Yeah. He's, he's so good though. The first couple seasons of the Blacklist are fantastic. Yeah. You know, we just finished uh, the Mandalorian season. Another okay. great, great season. Disney, you know, the Star Wars saga has been a real mixed bag. Some of them really good, some of them, yeah, but The Mandalorian is just great TV. Seriously, it's a, if you think of it like Firefly and it truly is a Western set in space, it's, you know, gunslinger Western stuff. Mandalorian, hmm. still, still great. And of course, we're addicted to Ted Lasso. As is, I think, every other household in the world. Watched one episode, wasn't impressed. So good. So, 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 so good. And only gets better, by the way. Every episode just keeps it going. Anyway, that's what we're watching. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.